Welcome to the Stageworthy Podcast. I'm your host, Phil Rickaby, recording this at my local coffee shop. On Stageworthy, I interview people who make theater, from actors to directors to playwrights to stage managers and more, to find out what makes them do what they do. You can find Stageworthy on Facebook and Twitter at StageworthyPod, and you can find the website at StageworthyPodcast.com. If you like what you hear, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes or whatever podcast app you use, and consider leaving a comment or rating. On episode 4, Siobhan and Matt Richardson of Burning Mountain join me. Matt and Siobhan are actors and fight directors. Through Burning Mountain, they offer fight direction, consultation, and instruction in the art of violence on the stage. And both Matt and Siobhan will be appearing as part of the immersive show Hogtown, opening this last week of January 2016 at Campbell House in Toronto. Matt, Siobhan, thanks for coming on. Um, why don't we start with what is Burning Mountain? Uh, so Burning Mountain is our company together. It's not exactly, uh, you can't just say it's like film production or just stage combat teaching. It's essentially or a way for not just a school either. Yeah. It's was... not really a school. Yeah. <clears throat> it's, <laughs> in some ways, it's a way for us to work together without saying, um, I'm not available, but my husband can because it sounds so rinky-dink. But but this way, it, it allows us to sort of be uh, grouped under one name and have our own uh, brand, mm-hmm. of course. And um, so it helps people associate us with a particular feeling, as a brand does, um, and allows us to uh, refer work to each other when when either of us can do the job. But it's um, it's a little bit more professional to say my business partner mm-hmm. than, yeah. uh, than my, my spouse can do it for me, and, even and though we're both skilled. And- Pre-Burning Mountain, we had encountered a couple of uh, times when um, Siobhan was, was tapped to do fight direction for something, but she wasn't available. And she said, well, Matt's available. And they're like, oh, your husband or Siobhan would be working on a project. And they say, we need more, we need more male actors who are fighters. Well, my husband, Matt, is available. Oh, husband mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we can't have the two of you working on a project because we know that always ends terribly and <laughs> you know not in, this case. Uh, not in this case people want to put experiences they've had in the past right on you yeah they, they want they want to know they want to think that everything they've been through well it's exact same for everybody else and that's mm-hmm. just another reason why we wanted to sort of to to brand ourselves is because there are um there are sort of different types of fight directors, just as there are different sort of types of actors, but because the fight direction pool is, like, compared to a directing pool or a choreographer, like a dance choreographer's pool, because the the direct, the, the fight directing pool is that much smaller, um, there are some types that are kind of prevalent um, and others that are not so. Um, so it was, it, was, it was a nice way to go, well, we're, we're not actually quite like that. Mm-hmm. So that, again, we could sort of set ourselves up as the Burning Mountain brand um, with, and without having to sort of be, hey, we're the independent guys that are different. Yeah. Uh, we can just sort of set ourselves up. It, it sets up a nice identity instead yeah. of being, well, we're not these guys. We're not these stunt guys, and we're not these theater guys over here. We're actually guys on our own, and then there's kind of a, ah, hmm. 
Um, it's a great conversation starter too, because when you start <laughs> having that that discussion with people about, oh, so how how are you different then? Then you get to talk about your ideologies and and um, and then it's it's a great opener as opposed to so, sort of saying, yeah, I trained with these guys, and then people assume things about about you and the way you want to work and what kind of artist you mm-hmm. are. Whereas, I mean, which what's fundamental to the way we work is that everyone's an individual artist. And that, that has a lot to do with the name <clears throat> as well. Because Burning Mountain, originally we, we were in Scotland training, of mm-hmm. course. <laughs> as, one does, as we do, train mm-hmm. all the time. Uh, yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with, a, with a fight uh, fight guy over there. And, and an armorer, Paul McDonald. Who makes amazing stuff. You he have to wait for it, yes. but, but it's worth um, every penny and every yeah. second of waiting. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we're over there in Scotland, and you know, one side of my family is Scottish, and the clan... The clan Badge is is uh, is the Grant clan and stand fast and. That but what's neat about it is the if clan. If you podcast listeners were in the room with us, you could look behind mm-hmm. Phil's head and see the the banner on our wall. Oh, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> and it's actually it's a it's a mountain that they would light uh, bonfires on to call the clan together mm-hmm. to meet. Um, so we really liked that idea. We thought it was really cool, and and we thought, oh yeah, the the mountain with the fires on it. You know, so we like we like it to represent the yes, we are igniting the fires of, of, of creativity, of creativity and learning, and, and and calling people in, lighting the beacon fires to call people in to learn. And, and in fact, when we uh, when we upgrade to a uh, another studio space with more living space in it as well, we want to call it the Beacon House. Hmm. Nice. Yeah. Now to go back to one of the questions you sort of alluded to just a couple minutes ago. <laughs> so what is it that makes you different? Well, part of Part of what we do is we are we are always retraining, and we and we tell our students as well, and anyone who comes in touch with us that as a as an artist, and this is something that everybody knows. If you're not moving forward, you're standing still. Mm-hmm. You never step in the same river twice. Those kind of ideas. Um, so part of what we feel is fundamental to our process and the way we work is the idea of continuously climbing the mountain, as it were, always moving forward, looking to work with other people. Um, a lot of our a lot of our time together has been in in seminars, in workshops, or we'll attend something like the Patty Crane together, and then we'll take completely different classes, yeah. and then meet afterwards and uh, share what we picked mm. up. And, and we both have a different viewpoint on it. I, I work very instinctively. I, I, I have a foundation in martial art that is is a little bit more based in street defense and and and, and in. Um, Instinctively responding to things. Whereas uh, I come from more of a dance background, so things like small sword that has a lot of rules uh, really <laughs> <laughs> uh, really appeals to me, and mm. I, I quite it's part of the reason why I love teaching as well because I like sort of digging into um, like what are these foundation biomechanical principles, and how does your particular body work, and how do we help that body uh, reach its full potential, which is not the same as another body's quote rules that and that's another thing that sets us apart as well is that we uh, we tend to focus a lot on things like biomechanics and foundation ideas mm-hmm. um, and really uh, really working with the individual and like what's what's their particular process not that other fight directors don't do that at all but it's really quite foundational to the work we do is um, is looking at the individual and seeing how this art form sits best on them and, and from my side of things, the martial and, and uh, the tactical concepts of what's happening with, with the art form. How do you how do you defend yourself? How do you counter? Um, and what are the what are the openings and opportunities? Um, many of our Real teachers uh, that we work with, and that's that's another big thing. We go work with instructors. 
Whereas some of our contemporaries, they'll they'll crack open books and they'll explore stuff, but mm. some of them have like no martial arts background at all. Uh, and so there's a lot of guesswork, whereas we go to the source of the people mm. who have been translating the books or who have been working these as a martial art. And we, we look at the tactical um, uh, foundations of that. And, and of course, as Siobhan said, biomechanical foundations. Yeah. Of so, uh, and, but because we both come from martial arts, like I also took martial arts in my teens, as well as I danced from the time I was very small, um, it helps us as actors mm -hmm. to understand what's the tactic that we're playing. And so we, for us, we find it's really useful to approach it from the inside like that. As actors, we're always looking at like what's what's the basic psychology of this? What's my what's my objective? What's my tactic? So in in our system in Burning Mountain, we tend to look as well at well, my character would understand what's my objective in each moment. And if I'm playing a character that has some kind of martial training, then that's something my character understands. So as a fight director, when we're setting those fights, that's something we we look at. And the actor might not always ask us but we always have that answer and it's built in mm -hmm. there. So even if the actor doesn't know, um, there's so often some little thing that clicks inside. We talk a lot about like the, the forebrain and the lizard brain, mm -hmm. and we talk about how like the lizard brain understands these things. Some people like to uh, ignore the idea that humans are also animals, mm -hmm. but we have to remember, <laughs> he, one, of my, one of my mentors, Bob Sharon, he talks about the, the Renaissance mindset and how humans are at the bridge between the angels and the animals, mm -hmm. and so that we we balance between that angel brain and the animal existence, so that when we are um, when we're looking at those moments of high violence, at those 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 deeply engaged in those deeply passionate moments, sometimes we lose sight of our of our angel selves and we engage in the animal self, so mm -hmm. that the the lizard brain, the instinct part, takes over. It's so. interesting because the I mean the lizard brain is that is that. You know, it's that reason why we get scared, why we have that fight or flight, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Light, You're light, right. That or yeah, and it's that thing that if we ignore, we're ignoring a, as actors, but we're being cerebral mm -hmm. and sometimes too cerebral. Um, it's the thing that, that we forget about that, that is the reason why we're scared mm -hmm. or why we are willing to fight at a moment's notice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We, we don't look for, and it's funny, because we don't look for martial perfection from actors. Mm. We, we used to. We went through a phase where we were like, it well, must be martially perfect. Us, some of us <laughs> um, look for martial perfection. In I, technique. perhaps. But I like to, uh, I, I, we had two students we were working with, and uh, they were doing a rapier and dagger fight, and, and Noah was retreating and doing a cross parry to a, for a cut. And his structure was completely breaking, and he was he was losing his stance, and he was reaching up, like really stretching up for this parry uh, that was coming in. And I said I corrected his structure, and I got him back into his stance and his retreat. But I took a picture of him doing the yeah. way where he was really reaching, and I took a picture of him doing the way where he settled into his stance and did the proper parry where it was supposed to be. And I showed him both pictures, like, oh yeah, that's so terrible. Okay, I won't do that. I said, no, no, remember that. Because while that is bad technique, that is a possible acting choice you mm -hmm. may have to play. <laughs> so, you know, my, my favorite fight scene to go to is, is Dangerous Liaisons when, when, and sometimes the historical martial artists, they harp on us, they, they, they pick <laughs> on us for not doing the martial perfection that they strive for. And I, and I like to say to them, guys, you're striving for martial perfection in your pursuit as a martial artist. But we are 
playing fictional characters in a life and death situation. Mm -hmm. And it's <clears throat> not always going to be in the saw with your protective gear and your blunt <laughs> swords doing, trying to maintain perfect technique. It may be Chevalier Danceny, <clears throat> who is a freaking music teacher, for crying out loud. And a very young man. And a young, a young guy, very emotional, challenging, a very dangerous mm -hmm. older man. Valmont has mm -hmm. probably fought his share of duels. He knows how to fight, but by the same token, Valmont is not looking to kill this young yeah. guy. He doesn't hate him. He and he's heartbroken over the situation with his with his uh, the two ladies, one who's dying because of him, and the other one who's cast him out. So we have to look at at all that stuff when we think about. <laughs> so are these two guys going to square off and do martial perfection, completely cold and 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 impersonal? No, that's a boring fight scene. Mm. We gotta we gotta take into into account the <coughs> training the character may have. So yeah, that's yeah. one of my favorite references <laughs> because it perfectly illustrates. And, and just about every historical martial artist I say that to goes, "Oh yeah, this guy wouldn't be perfect with the small sword. This guy would be emotional." Hmm. So when Noah does his really bad parry where he's reaching, sorry Noah, if you do hear this, uh, but, but if he's if he's re where he's reaching, it's good to to clock that what bad technique looks like we um several many oh my <coughs> goodness <laughs> many years ago now we stumbled on the phrase what is success on this mm -hmm. and it's it's a way that we help the actors understand well this is what your character would do in the perfect situation this is what they're trying for and then your emotional state means that they're doing more than the swing they need to or that they hesitate mm -hmm. but that's one way that we help actors sort of understand what's what is martial perfection in this moment and then they can allow their interpretation of events mm. create the larger proportion or the slow we time. can always i can guarantee this that that and this is something that may set us apart from some other fight directors is when an actor says why am i doing these move particular <clears throat> moves we can specify the exact tactic that they're doing mm. And we can give them, uh, you know, either historical or martial precedent for trying this thing that they're trying to do. And we can say, here's what happens if this works. And we can show them what it would, would really look like. And often we'll also say, and this is why it doesn't. Mm -hmm. Like, you're, you're too early in time on your partner's response. Mm -hmm. Or you're too late. Or you're... You're so enraged that your body is stiff, so you're putting too much force into this, and that's why it fails. That's why they're able to reverse it on you, or something like that. There, there are a couple of a couple of, of, of questions that that have been, sort of been occurring to me because you've both mentioned your background and things like that, martial mm -hmm. arts, dance, and uh, <clears throat> and also martial arts. But I'm curious, and there, this question is sort of twofold, just for each of you. Um, you what? drew you to theater and what drew you to stage combat uh, well it's really simple for me um, I uh, I wasn't good at anything else and funny enough a guidance <laughs> counselor in high school except for cooking yeah I drink except for cooking um, a guidance counselor in high school <clears throat> you know we were all getting these scheduled meetings in our last year and I'm like Oh, okay. And it was like, so we're going to talk about what you might want to apply for secondary education. And I was a freaking teenager. I was like, oh, um, well, 
what do you like to do? What do you, well, I do public speaking and I'm in the drama club and I really, I, my highest marks are drama and English class. Oh, would you consider going to acting school? And I was like, they have acting schools? <laughs> my response and to that is a guidance counselor said you should go to acting school? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. So I said, oh yes, there's a number of different programs. And, and I had visited Toronto. I grew up in a small town outside Ottawa and I visited Toronto several times. I'd gone to Second City because mm. I was a huge fan of of uh, SCTV and that and um, so uh, you know he said check out these various schools and when looking at the breakdowns of their programs uh, Humber had a full year of stage combat mm -hmm. back in 1989 and that was rare because at the time I think a couple of the other programs had a semester or yeah. a workshop Humber had a full year and I was like, oh, that sounds cool, because I was also a huge um, science fiction fantasy fan. Um, and I grew up reading Robert E. Howard and, and Michael Moorcock and, and, uh, and comics like crazy. So I was like, oh, sword fighting and stuff. And yeah. I, of course, growing up playing Dungeons and Dragons. <clears throat> of course, yeah. Role-playing games and stuff. So that was a big sell for going to... Um, going to acting school at Humber and then in second year we had stage combat and when I went back for third year I repeated stage combat because I had a spare the same morning the second year's had stage combat because I <laughs> wanted to do it again and then of course in 93 uh, a bunch of uh, fight directors in Canada got together and formed Fight Directors Canada and held the first national workshop and uh, I went and trained uh, and got my basic actor combatant at that and that was it I, I started choreographing fights in fact I think we met Mm -hmm. the year after I did that <clears throat> doing Rosencrantz and Guildenstern that's right and uh, and then shortly after that we did Hamlet and, yeah. and I, I did the fights with uh, with Tempest for Hamlet and that was my first professional fight direction gig hmm. was that fight with Jonathan Lear wow. and to this day funny story <laughs> Jonathan <laughs> did something in the one night in that fight that he he forgot a piece of choreography I saw it in his eyes because he, he came at me with two attacks and then I saw him go blank and he looked me in the eyes, and he took a couple of steps back, and I thought, oh, he's lost the choreography. Yeah. And I'm thinking, oh, what's a contingency for this? Well, I guess we go back, or we go, and he wound up with the biggest overhead cut. <laughs> I saw him winding up, I'm like, okay, he's gonna cut to the head, and he cut to the head. And I said, okay, I can fix this. So we cut, to, he threw this really nice stage cut to the head, I parried, I grabbed his arm, and I pulled him in, and I went, where, what are you doing? And he was like, where are we? I said, we're at thrust to here, I bind, I counter, you thrust back to here, and then you throw me upstage into this. Oh, right, 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 okay, good. And we broke. And <clears throat> afterwards, I remember Simon Greenslade saying, was there something a little different in the fight tonight? <laughs> but the people on stage didn't notice the fight was different. Ah. I thought, that's, that's actually a pretty good, if all else fails, because it is the, the the parry to the head, raising your arm to block to your head is the most instinctive yep. move that most people can do. Uh, it's a parry you never really have to correct people too yeah. much on, uh, and so I still use that. If I say here's a here's a final failsafe, if you forget your choreography and you can't go back and find this spot, do a big cut to the head, parry, grab each other, close in, talk it out while you're. You can you can borrow a little bit from uh, from pro wrestling and figure yeah. out what you need to do <laughs> yeah, from yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the, the short answer is theater felt like home. Um, mm. I did my first play in grade nine, and we ended up going to the um, uh, the provincial workshop and the Sears Drama Festival, um, to the provincial level, and um, 
and that was a that was a really great year for me. I had done theater stuff before that, but I think that was the that was the time that I went, ooh, I could do this. Mm. I could do this for a living. Um, shortly after that, I'd started studying kung fu, but I started dancing when I was very very small, um, and. Um, yeah, so I, I eventually went to school for musical theater. I mean, there's a long version of the story too, but uh, <laughs> whichever version you want to tell, we'll we'll, we'll hear. Um, so so apparently I started dancing when I was four. I don't remember when I started. Um, my sister had feet that were kind of turned in, so she went, and I was like, hey, big sister's going, and they, I ended up going to uh, ballet class with her too. She left at one point, but I stayed, and I was I danced on and off actually mm -hmm. until um, uh, until my early twenties. Um, so I, I danced for many years, and I stopped for a couple of years and did girl guides and brownies and things. Um, and then I went back to dance, then I stopped, and I did kung fu for several years, and I helped teach in the kids' program, and um, well, yeah, I did that. And then I went back to dance, because by that point, I had decided that I was going to go to school for musical theater. So I wanted to make sure that I sort of got caught up on all my dance forms, and so I could, uh, so I could go to school and feel good about getting started. Um, and then while I was at theater school, J.P. Fournier came in and did a week of S.W.O.R.D. And at that end, I just I kept doing it. I went, oh, I'm enjoying this. And I would go in after school and do a whole bunch of extra practice and did some extra scene work with it. So that was my first professional stage combat class. I mean, we had some in, uh, in high school drama class as well. But it was, I, I count my classes with J.P. as my first stage combat classes. I would have, because when I was in theater <laughs> school, everything they told us about stage combat was wrong. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Like after taking actual stage combat, I was like, we could have killed each other or <laughs> dislocated jaws with slaps and things it's, like that. It's oh, part yeah. of the reason why we do a lot of teaching in high school. Yeah, it's, um, yeah. it's 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 a it's a great day job, and I'm forever thank forever thankful that we get to do that. Um, but also, I, I find it really exciting and fulfilling to go into a high school and see young people. Um, getting good information, like whether it's us or anybody else, but as long as they're getting good information, that's going to make sure that they don't get accidentally hurt yeah. by some director who maybe doesn't know what they're doing and says, no, do it, do it my way. This yeah. is the way I know yeah. how to do slap it. And they real. slap yeah. them for real. Yeah. Use this retractable knife. Do neither of those things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as I stare at the microphone, do neither of these things. Um, but knowing that we have introduced people to something mm -hmm. new, introduced young people into ways to keep themselves safe, and it was, <laughs> from my cry now, um, it was one of the, the great joys in my life when we were um, applying for the Artists in Education grant. We were getting reference letters from different high schools we taught at. And uh, the one teacher handed us his letter. And of course, we hadn't seen it before. Yeah. He hadn't told us what he was going to write. So I'm reading it. And I discover as I'm reading it, yeah, here it comes, um, <laughs> that one of their students, a 16-year-old girl, um, had decided she was going to be a fight director mm. because of the work uh, that we had been doing with nice. her, and she's she's doing it. She's doing it now. She's she's on her way. She That's just great. finished her intermediate and did a fantastic job, Carolyn. Um, <laughs> and uh, but but what a what a wonderful moment that was for for us to go. Yeah. This is it's it's working. We are yeah. we're introducing new generations to to the stuff I wish I had when I was that age. Yeah. Um, now I kind of derailed you on your, on your on your on <laughs> your. Your story. I do want to come back to uh, stage combat in the schools, though. Yeah. But let's let's get back to wrap up that. Ra let, well, let's get back to because you know we derailed mm -hmm. your your story of you mm -hmm. and coming to theater, and I do want to make sure that we we cover that. Uh, so uh, my first professional stage combat class was with, was with J.P. Fournier in college at the Canadian College of Performing Arts in Victoria, and um, and then 
in my at the end of my second year, I happened to be in the office doing something, and then this fax came in for this stage combat workshop in Montreal, and I went, ooh, I should go to that. Oh, good. It's like one week after I'm done school, I'll be mm -hmm. able to make it. So I did that workshop in Montreal um, where I, you know, where I met people I still know today. And in fact, I met people in my grade nine um, drama stuff with uh, the Sears Drama Festival that I still know today. <laughs> and I met people in the first theater company that I worked with in Kitchener-Waterloo that I still know today. But on all those people I still work with. And it's been the year of going, oh my goodness, I've known these people for how many years now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so then I did the Montreal workshop, and then while I was in Montreal, I heard about the workshop that was happening in Ryerson immediately after. So we wrapped up Montreal on Saturday. I came back to Toronto, and I was it Sunday morning? It would have been Sunday morning that I walked into Ryerson and started my second workshop, my second huh. professional two-week workshop. And I just came out of theater school, and I weighed, yeah. I don't know, something tiny, and I had like 4% body fat or something ridiculous. She looked amazing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> was it was that the the workshop that you guys met yes. at? Yeah. And I immediately decided. Ah, yes. <laughs> she, walked, she walked in. She walked in with a friend, and I was like, "Who is <coughs> today? Look at uh, look at look at them." <laughs> and I started flirting. Uh, I started flirting immediately, like instantly. Started flirting, and then after this poor girl who didn't know what was going on. Yeah, and then after a after a week, I was like, ah. Yeah, maybe I'll keep flirting with this girl, and then maybe you know at the year-end party I'll 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 chat her up, I'll get her number, uh, and then you know halfway after the first week I I I was like why why am I waiting till some sort of stupid end of the thing party casual situation I'm gonna ask her out now, and I just I was walking I was leaving I was looking for an apartment at the time I was leaving to go house hunt and I turned around and walked right back up the stairs walked in and said hey um. I find you really attractive, and I think we should go out, and we should have dinner, and maybe we should sit across from the table and have a conversation, etc., uh, etc. Et and oh yeah, she was all she was all smiley and glow. She's very smiley and glowy. Right you guys, now. you guys are adorable, <laughs> fucking adorable. And uh, and that was it. Like we went out on a date and yeah. started dating, and that was that was the start of everything. Hmm. <laughs> Did you guys? I derailed your stage. Conference. No, I, I mean <laughs> this is this is. Well, let's just okay. At this point, we've. Uh, to, to, to wrap yeah. up my little bit, though, and so that in those in those two stage combat workshops, back up a little bit further. Yeah. When I went to musical theater school, <laughs> I knew I felt like home. The morning I walked in, one morning I went, "Good morning," and the whole lobby replied, "Good morning." Of course they and, did. <laughs> and I went, oh, "I am home." Uh -huh. And then, um, and then when I walked, when I was in stage combat workshops, um, the FTC workshops. After that, I. Um, it was it was even more it was this profound sense of just just being so so comfortable and so happy and just everything felt so right mm -hmm. and I felt like ah oh, these are my people yeah it was it was yeah this this profound sense of of belonging and happiness and just and just knowing that this this was the work I was going to do mm -hmm. like this is somehow this was going to be part of my life mm -hmm. you guys as as a couple you've worked together as a team mm -hmm. as well as those opportunities when one of you is not available and you you know a different, or, or we or, get different yeah. opportunities someone calls one of us directly yeah. Or, yeah but I mean you've worked together as as a, as a team um, there are a few couples that can manage to work together in their day to day and not want to kill each other <laughs> and the two of you have a 
weapons in your home. So I'm wondering. Well, of course they do. You've got a, you've got the big uh, like like when you walk in. That's a that is a rack of weapons. That's a yeah. so we got a nice rack in this. You house. do have a nice rack. Did you guys? have any conscious choices that you made about how you were going to work together or did you just did it just sort of happen <laughs> i know okay so this is my theory of okay. it. i was so young when we got together that i was still very much in a wanting to please people state mm-hmm. but also i mean matt has many years of experience ahead of me so um a lot of our early working time together was was definitely me learning from him because mm. he absolutely knew more than i did and everything mm. when it came to stage compact um so <clears throat> that sort of started the rapport, and there have been sort of events along the way that made me go, "Oh wait, I can, we can, we can rebalance this role a little bit." Yeah. But um... and there, there's a different perspective because of the age difference. It's not just like I was working. I, I started training in 1990, sighting stage combat. That was when my second year started, and uh, sort of, and we were we choreographed our own fights for classes back then, and now all the instructors do almost all of it. Um, particularly with Fight Directors Canada. So we we got, back in the day, me and a bunch of my other contemporaries, we got, we had to choreograph our own fights. Whereas when I was a student at the same time, there was there was a bit of, um, if you choreograph fights for people, understand that their lives are in your hands. Uh, like there was yeah. a little bit like verging, verging and, on threatening, yeah. but just but putting more sense into you of... Um, you, I mean, when you fight direct, you really do have someone's life in your yeah. hands. You have someone's career in your hands, yeah. um, and it's important to know that. But um, we, this is again one of a thing that we like to foster in our classes. Not that other people don't, but something we focus on is the is the concept of ability. We're not going to say do this or somebody dies. We say, hey, guess what? If you can kill somebody with a baseball bat, you can kill somebody with with a sword that is blunted. Mm-hmm. And just like you know, on the baseball field, not to swing this at somebody's head. By the same token, when you are in the rehearsal hall, you don't swing these things at people's heads. You don't yeah. put your fists actually in people's faces. So we go from a sense of ability as opposed to fear. Mm-hmm. And, and like I was saying, but with the age difference thing, so I, I had this this sort of almost a decade, well, a decade of training at least, and, and at least eight, eight years or so of professionally choreographing fights, um, some more professional than others, and some things <laughs> minor. And, and some things, some things fairly substantial, and uh, but also I think there's a really with with Shimon being like a decade younger. Than me, <laughs> well, I don't know um, if we're gonna mention numbers. <laughs> yeah, no, Too late. Um, but there's something about being a teen and watching '80s movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, there was some somebody posted an article which I don't read a lot of these, but a few things catch my eye, and one of them is what we sh- what we really have should have learned from '80s movies. Uh, and I grew up watching '80s films, and I grew up watching a lot of Bruce Lee. And I just recently was showing my mm-hmm. student I've watched any Bruce Lee movies in many years, and I pulled these fights up, saying, "Check this out. Check his timing out here. Check his acting." I'm watching these fights, going, "Wow." Bruce Lee had a huge influence on the way I choreographed <laughs> <laughs> fight. Um, but but I had a cultural influence as a teenager that Siobhan didn't have. Yeah. Um, I read books and mm-hmm. I read comics uh, with very specific story tropes that she never had. Mm-hmm. So when it came to designing a fight and having moments, very particular moments of triumph and moments of heroism or moments of adventure... I find a lot of a lot of problems I have with with media today, and it, particularly if we're looking at action and fight scenes, is it's all about trying to make everything look bigger and fancier, and let's parkour our way across the walls before we attack. Whereas, um, 
there was more motivation and there was more there's more of a sense of adventure and heroism. I think the adventure and heroism is really the big one. Yeah, it's 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 a huge thing. So and these are these are sort of core characteristics to to a lot of our, our characters. And so whenever whenever I start looking at a fight, I have this decade of um, really well presented stories. Mm. Um, and of course, I'm not saying every movie in the '80s was great. Of course, there's always and, and nor are you saying, of course, that yeah. every movie now is terrible. Yeah. No, but it's just like the the standard, yeah. the the, uh, the more common style of storytelling. People, is different yeah, than and people are always because of the internet. People are always looking for excuses to pick a, a, a story up yes, these yeah, days. Yeah. So we have to have. So I find movie makers now and and action filmmakers now are trying to find. All of these deep reasons why people would do things. Whereas back in the '80s, you know, we didn't care. We 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 knew the superhero was going to do the superheroic thing because he was the good guy. Yes. Yeah. Oh, the yeah. dinosaur. Someone has been spinning a meme around, and that I love. And it's this pterodactyl supervillain and Spider-Man. And Spider-Man is saying to this dinosaur villain, "But Professor." Why are you doing this with your knowledge of genetics? You could you could help mankind. You could cure cancer. And the supervillain gives the perfect response, which I wish our modern day um, film writers and, and players could could take to heart. He says, "But I don't want to cure cancer. I want to turn people into dinosaurs." <laughs> <laughs> and you know, uh, we, we used to have villains like that, but now villains have to have a backstory. They have yeah. to have been have had a terrible father. Yes, or yeah. they had to have once been good and been betrayed by their best friend. Yeah. like we can't just have a bad guy because yeah. he's a bad guy because mm -hmm. he's corrupt. So anyway, I. Getting, getting back around to the point, <laughs> I, I have a, a perspective that's just a slightly different perspective on, on fight choreography. Um, where Siobhan has a, she has a very particular love of, of um, cool. technique. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, technique and, and biomechanics. So Love um, biomechanics. Oh my goodness, I completely nerd out on it. When, when it comes to doing a jobs, when people approach us, if it's a fight direction job, we kind of try to steer it towards me, whereas it's can you do a workshop for our actors? We kind of steer it towards Siobhan. Mm. She's better at structure and and um, and classes and routine and regimen, and I'm better at instinctively finding moments mm. in things and uh, connecting with actors and what an actor needs. And I'm very manipulative. Yeah, like <laughs> I'm just I'm just so blunt. I'll just say like, <laughs> yes, that's working, or no, it is. I, I I have a little bit of the yeah. of the corrupt manipulation, mm. but it's mostly just like yes or no. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas with me, I'll go, okay, this actor's one of these people who needs to hear this. Mm -hmm. To get him to do the work that I need him to do, and I gotta say the the elect that's one thing about the electronic age. The iPad is amazing. Oh, it's wonderful. When I have an actor, particularly who thinks he knows more about stage combat than me, or knows what move, this feels better, and I'm like, it feels better. Okay, do it that way. Record. Okay, now do it the way I want you to do it. Record. Good. Let's look at those back to back. Yeah, yeah. And nine times out of ten, the actor goes, Oh, geez, geez, my way looks really terrible, and I'm like. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it does. Um, so, which way do you want? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it this way. Yeah. yeah. I mean, th of course, these are these are not to say that we don't have the other qualities, but yeah, no, as, like, I mean, our, when we're swamped yeah. and we're like we and we can, we when we need to divvy up the work, that's general generally the way we um, we send things. When send you people. do work together, yes. What do you have any kind of particular 
um, rules that you guys set for yourselves, or do you just sort of? I mean, you guys know each other so well. You're finishing each other's sentences. You're yeah. Always. That. Yes. Is it just sort of <laughs> fall we into call place? It brain. Yeah. Um, where we will, we will literally finish each other's each or other's sentences. Or we will sentences. say something simultaneously. Uh, yeah. Or we'll start singing something simultaneously. <laughs> like some reference, some pop culture reference will remind us of one of our favorite pop culture references, like something from Futurama or mm -hmm. Danger Zone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we'll both say it at the same time, and and. Students will look at us and go, "What just happened?" Yeah, <laughs> we just had married brain. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. So no, we don't. We don't really discuss or put down some. Now, sometimes a teacher will ask us. We really, there are a lot of girls in the class. A lot of them are not going to take stage combat seriously. Um, some of them are in the class because they think they don't have to. You know, it's a bird course. And mm -hmm. so we would really like Siobhan to take the lead. Um, and I've been teaching. I've been teaching intro classes for a very long time, mm -hmm. and uh, so I have. Once, once Siobhan and I start to launch into the routine, we kind of go on autopilot. Mm -hmm. We have certain sort of we. So here, I guess here's the big thing that's different for us is that we kind of have our shtick worked out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that we, and depending on the context, certain parts will be highlighted and that kind of thing. But we tend to bounce things back and forth, and mm -hmm. there's certain there's certain moves that work better when the tall person is the aggressor to the shorter person and vice versa. So we, in the interests of demonstrating the technique as clearly as possible, then we tend to be cast in, in particular mm -hmm. roles. Um, and I'd say that as far as like agreements as to who does what, mm -hmm. it's a little bit more that. Or if, or if one of us is like sort of nursing an injury of some kind, it'll be like, oh, can you do this one today? Or mm -hmm. yeah. we'll have those little discussions. Yeah. But or Siobhan's just better at doing some techniques than I am, and yeah. I'm just better at doing others. And Or um, because, again, because it's a story-based thing that we do, if we're trying to get across the point of this is a really brutal action when you do it this way, then we'll make sure that Matt kicks me in the head. Mm. But when we want to go, here, Here's your action hero moment. Then we'll make sure that I kick him in the head mm -hmm. and end with like the back to the camera looking over my shoulder hero pose. Right. But it just and it helps to highlight to people that we're teaching the different story qualities that just happen when you put certain moves in, in certain contexts. Yeah. And and when we when we build choreography after students were saying we're saying it's like they're flirting with swords. We <laughs> <laughs> have to finish well, a, yeah, a broadsword fight. And I mean that's that's a huge Thing that, that the historical martial arts have given us, um, we will pick up a pair of swords, and because we know each other's distance and each other's mm. cues really well, and because we understand the weapons in a particular yeah. way, yeah. I mean, and, science and the tells the time in which they work. Yeah. Yes. And the, and the science tells us when you when you work with an object long enough, your brain actually maps it as part of your body. Mm. Like think about when you walk around with a knapsack yep. in your particular bag, and then you don't bring it one day. And you have this vague sense all day that something is something missing. Something is missing, yeah. It's because as yeah. far as your brain's concerned, something is missing. Yeah. So it's actually that quality that we endeavor to have with each of our weapons. Mm. You should feel like the weapon is part of your hand. Mm. So because we've, we've learned how to use our tools in this fashion, uh, when we're working together and spontaneously building choreography, we can do it like we're just sort of, we're just moving together with particular mm -hmm. leverages and timing. Yeah, and I think one of the key things about that is, is I know there are some there are some fighters out there <clears throat> who are very fast. They can do stuff very quickly once they've learned it. Um, and what we can do is we can change our time in mid attack mm -hmm. with the control we have over the weapons yeah. that we own. 
and then uh, the other one can respond works. because and the other one can respond in the right time. Because yeah. a great fight for performance is not being perfectly repeated exactly the same way mm-hmm. every time. It's being perfectly present. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. and and I would I would almost endeavor to say especially on film because the camera picks up those little nuances of thought changes yeah. when oh their timing is different and this person has reacted to it in that moment. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So it's so important to be present um, and responsive more than it is to do it exactly the same way every time. I can't remember who it was at first, um, you know, going back to what Siobhan said about feeling that backpack missing. Yeah. But it, I think it's either Dwight, Dwight McLemore, one of our, one of the guys we've worked with, who's a really lovely guy with amazing stories to tell and, and, and uh, just a love for exploring this, this, this uh, how does he say it? Yeah, this nonsense I like to I like to explore. This silliness. <laughs> this, this silliness I like to explore. That, uh, so uh, so he has a real love for it, and he and so he's and he's eager to teach and explore and, and try stuff. Um, but it might have been him, uh, or it might have been John Lennox, or, or, Steve, or Steve Huff. But they say they talk about one of their favorite weapons is, is the tomahawk or the belt axe, mm-hmm. and uh, came over from Europe uh, and. Uh, on the boats. On the boats, and, and was was akin enough to a native war club that had a name that sounded like Tomahawk. I don't. Tomahawk, I, I think. It's Tomahawk. Yeah, I I don't want to do a disservice to the pronunciation. Uh, that it that spell tax started to get known as a Tomahawk. So uh, there's a little nerdy history lesson. <laughs> um, but uh, they talk about this as being a tool the long hunters were carrying with them all the time. Mm. It wasn't just a weapon. It was something you split kindling with. It was something you cut up hefty cut, cuts of meat with, or cut through bone with when you were when you're dressing an animal. Um, it was, you know, a survival tool as well. And they knew it really, really well. So uh, when I'm doing a class with these guys, I can't remember which one of them said it to me first. But he says, if you put two people in a pit and you tell them to fight, you each give them a hammer, and one of them's a carpenter. The carpenter's probably going to win the fight hmm. because he knows the weight and the length yeah. and hammer. And for us as stage combatants, if you put two stage combatants and you give them fight choreography, the one that's going to be the safest <laughs> <laughs> is the one that treats his sword like a carpenter treats a hammer and mm-hmm. uses it all the time. Which again is, is another is another little snipe I can take it. I meet actors all the time. <laughs> Actor, I get, I get actors all the time. Go, oh yeah, I'm really, I'm really good at stage combat. Yeah, I did a fight last year. Yeah, and I did a fight yeah. two seasons before that, and I'm like, great, I pick up a weapon every day. Yeah. Um. So, excellent that you have some experience, but um, unless you're handling this on a daily basis, please do not presume to tell me. It's like choreographing yeah. cats with yeah. somebody who does drop-ins once a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's you're gonna do something. Yeah. But it's not gonna be. It's not gonna be the same. As hiring the people who are doing this since before they could crawl. Yeah. You know. Uh, oh, it occurred to me. Um, oh, so the only time Matt and I, Matt and I work together a lot. The only time we've ever almost fought, because we're not really fighty people yeah. in our real lives. Like, we don't have yelling matches with each other. We just don't do that. Um, the only time we've ever f- come close to fighting in our lives together um, is when we're working on fight choreography <laughs> and particularly when we were first learning historical martial arts mm-hmm. and adapting it for stage so when we were both sort of figuring mm-hmm. out how do we take this martial art and put it on stage but maintain safety so we would you know we'd spend hours in here um building fights and trying stuff out 
And both of us would be like, no, I really think it should be this way. <laughs> we would, but it's it's the closest we've ever gotten to really fighting and yeah, yelling at each getting, other. Getting is... getting frustrated. It, it, that's 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 the worst. That's our that is the worst we ever get. We get frustrated <laughs> with the, with the way each other is working. <laughs> and we go. I think we should put this down for now. Oh, why are you really? Yeah, yeah. I'm getting frustrated. Um, and, and it usually to point fingers. Uh, it usually is me getting frustrated because because Siobhan is very um, technique oriented, uh-huh. and I'm still very connected with the drama of things. I will do an inefficient action that doesn't support the art. And if Siobhan has just finished, let's say, doing three days of personal training, longsword training, on the Fiore. Uh, method of longsword uh, with Bob Sharon. Yes. Like she came back from a weekend and I give her a very bad opening and a cut and she goes, Shpaf! and she does a perfect little um, false edge cut across my wrist. So I'll it's go, crystal. okay, so the in the opening move of the fight, you ended the fight. How interesting is that? How interesting is that for the audience to watch? <laughs> yes, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> but it's every once in a while that will that will happen. We'll, we'll start to try and build a fight and uh, like Joan and Talbot or, 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 or Joan and the Dauphin yeah. and I'll be like Siobhan you need to be big and inefficient here and and doing Siobhan has a, a little bit more trouble doing bad technique than I do I was about to ask if you have difficulty with the inefficient movements it's, and things like that or it, yeah. it, um, I think part of it sometimes is when we're building fights I um we, I start nerding out on the exchange mm-hmm, itself, mm-hmm. and I forget the characterization. Right. And really, that's just uh, that's 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 me being in the wrong context. Yeah. Um, but once once I'm reminded yes. of the <laughs> of the context as I shoot Matt sideways, like uh-huh. yeah. um, uh, once I'm reminded of the context, like oh right now now she's desperate for this now. Now she's on her heels. She's way behind the time and trying to recover. So once I'm once I'm reminded of those things, and it gets back on. But that's yeah. I usually start nerding out. Oh, this would be cool. Oh, I can do this from here. And I'm um, I'm constantly ready to remind the the Hema <laughs> guys or the other historical martial arts guys. Um, yes, that would be the perfect response to this. But I'm really angry and I oversell this. I mm-hmm. overdo this cut. Yeah. Or I'm off balance. Or I'm scared. Yeah. yeah. We funny enough on that note, we one of our fights, Trespasser, um, it's one of the fights we're a little less satisfied with now with the way we filmed it. Um, well, I mean that's well, not that happen with anything, right? Because of course, yes, you gonna... you 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 create something and then for a little while it's like, Oh, that's the best thing I've ever done. Yeah, and and then, then like two weeks later you're like, No, I'd I'd fix most of that now. But yeah. that's that's what it should be. Like, yep. you should be dissatisfied yeah, with yeah. your old work because you should see that there's different things. But in particular anyway. with Trespasser, um, it was, the scenario is, she's she's this forest elf and I'm this guy who understands a few words of the language she's speaking, but I'm a scout. We have an emissary to talk to her. Yeah. We're supposed to, who's supposed to talk to the elves. And I've wandered away from the camp, and this elf has just decided, oh, well, let's, let's have some fun with this guy. So I'm, I, she's an alien <laughs> creature. I'm terrified. I don't know what she's doing. Oh, crap, she's pulled out her sword. What the hell am I going to do? So I'm playing this character who's off balance, who's, who's desperately responding, uh, and we're trying to make Siobhan look like she's dancing this blade mm-hmm. around. And we're trying to make me look clumsy and panicky and the only thing that's saving me is my instinct 
Mm-hmm. And, of course, I think we, we came across with that very well, but a little bit too well. Siobhan showed it to some people over when she was teaching over in Sweden. And they were like, it's a very good fight scene, but, you know, you need a better fight partner. You're clearly a better fighter than you. <laughs> and we're like, that's the point. I'm so glad you got it. This yes. is, that's great, <laughs> but this is yeah. me. I'm face palming, you know. Yeah. Uh, that's that was an acting choice, yeah. but I realized not a lot of people realize. Oh well, he's clearly not as good a fighter as her. But you know, still, people people look at some of the other stuff, and we have what I feel is some better fight technique and some other things we've shot. Trespasser is still really popular because the filming quality is very high, and despite the fact that I think this choreography or this story is told over here a little bit better, like the quarterstaff and axe fight. Trespasser looks slick and cool, and it's amazing how far that goes with with a particularly an internet audience. Yeah. Uh, getting back for a second to working with high school students. Yeah. I think it's pretty clear you both have a real passion for for that. Um, even though sometimes the groups that you work with might be difficult at first, do you find that that with a high school uh, class that it's difficult to bring them out of their shells and get them to actually do it or or it really depends on the class Mm. it depends on the class it is but it's incredibly rewarding when you get them out Mm. and then there's the ones you have to put back in a little bit (laughs) (laughs) because they're they have no shell yeah they're they're very much like me in high school wearing my bill the cat t-shirt and and running around being a weirdo there there there's always those those children who are have who are, are wonderfully expressive but they want to try stuff with way too much energy. <laughs> and they're the ones you have to rein back in. Mm-hmm. Right now you're a floodlight and we want a little bit more laser. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it, it uh, and it, uh, like Shalom says, depends on the class. I mean, the grade nines, you've got a mix of, of way too much energy and I don't want to try anything or yeah. I don't want to look uncool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah that's got to be a tough like one. The yeah. holes in some classes... The, the whole group of them are just not wanting to do anything that somebody else might think isn't cool. Yeah. Um, and then you get like, so remember one class we had, it was like 90% of them didn't want to look, too, didn't want to look uncool. Was, and, and then yeah. three of the students were like having a blast. Yeah. And they were of course like the, the awesome nerds in the corner they that were, were the, like, I don't care what you people think anyway. Yeah. <laughs> there was, it was, I think that was the class that was mostly girls mm-hmm. uh, with a couple of boys and uh, the teacher warned us ahead of time. She goes, just so you know, every single one of the, most of the girls in this class are trying to be the coolest girl in school. Uh, mm. And there are, there are four little collectives of super cool girls who do not want to be seen to be doing anything foolish or unusual. Trying isn't cool, so we don't want to look <laughs> like we're trying. Mm-hmm. And there were two girls in the class who were clearly, they're the ones I would have identified with in high school, yeah. Who were clearly nerds, wearing that one wearing her Doctor Who T-shirt. They were the best. They tried yeah. everything. They went, they went like crazy, and they were great. We got we got a bunch of them actually because we don't let them get away with not doing the work. Mm. When they get up and they start going, <laughs> and which I, I it sounds like I'm exaggerating. Seriously, that is the sound they make. They laugh the whole time. And one of our teachers, Tamson. Not all of them. Not, not all. all of, not all the kids. Not all the kids. Not all the girls. But every once in a while, Tamsin has a great note, and we stole this from her, mm-hmm. uh, Tamsin Kelsey. Um, 
she said to, to, to the first pair of students that did this, she said, you're giving us permission not to care about what you're doing mm -hmm. by yeah. laughing and not taking it seriously. Right. So we don't let them get away with that. We go, okay, good. Now we're going to work this scene. Now you're going to do this, and I'm going to correct your technique, and you're going to ground yourself. We, and even if it takes extra time, we keep a pair of students that have decided not to try up there, and we make sure they do it right. Mm. I was going to ask what, what, what you do with people who don't want to do it, but that's, that's a great answer. Part of it is also not paying attention to the behavior because mm -hmm. um, it's, it's that cover behavior that yep. they, they don't want you to see them. Mm -hmm. So instead we go, actually, we're gonna, we're, we want to see you mm -hmm. and we're going to spend some extra time until we get to. Um, and so in that way, we, we, we don't reward the behavior we don't want to see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we, yeah, we make sure they do it right. And when they do do it right, we're very enthusiastic about it. Mm -hmm. Well, and, it's, just, it's also they, naturally just really exciting. It's it like, is. oh, that looks yeah. so good. <laughs> so, so a pair of students who get up and they kind of they kind of half-ass a punch and a slap and everything. We get them to do it right, and usually, you know, most of the time, we don't have to go. Yes, that's so much better because of the class response. Right, right, yeah. They see a good punch and a good crack and a good sell, and suddenly their whole class goes. Whoa! And and make some noise, and suddenly the two students who decided not to take this seriously go, "Oh wow, we just got a huge positive response from our peers," uh, which really really helps. That's one of the interesting things. I was having a conversation just a little while ago with someone, and we were talking about the difference between movies and theater, and, mm -hmm. and things like like what is you know, theater? Movies are passive, and in a theater, it's hard to be passive. And I've never heard an audience in a movie gasp at a fight mm -hmm. but in an audience in a theater I have frequently heard people gasp or move to the edge of their seat when swords come out or when there's a fight and that's one of the one of the unique things about about theater one of my one of my dearest friends and colleagues Hilda in um, in uh, she's Norwegian <clears throat> living in Sweden now um, she's also she's also studied opera and, and in fact, actually, my opera teacher talks about this as well. My singing teacher talks about this as well. The idea that when you're in a space with somebody, when you make sound, the air that passes through you literally touches other people. Mm -hmm. Like I can literally speak in a fashion that moves your body. Yeah. I can also literally speak in a fashion that chooses not to. Yeah. Um, and the audience can feel that. Again, it's one of those lizard brain things mm -hmm. where you can, when we're on stage... We actually literally move people. Yeah, and and the audience can tell the difference absolutely between something that is projected on a screen and when the actors are actually there. Mm -hmm. yeah. And and you know, just relating this to, to action, um, phys physical bodies moving in space on stage, doing something live. You can't cheat the physics. And why why we harp so much on martial structure? is because an audience will instinctively know that this person grounded moving this way, they know the physics and the mass moving behind mm -hmm. that. Whereas a lot of complaints about a, a lot of action movies these days is they're CGIing a yes. lot of action. Yeah. And physics don't apply. We know when something's CGI because the physics and the mass and the weight yeah. distribution is wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And, and sometimes they get it right. It's yeah. not always, you know, bad, but there but live it has to you it has to obey the laws of physics when yes. mm -hmm. you do a fight live. Yeah. And likening it to the breath again, um, when we're doing action on stage, uh, Matt and I talk a lot about make choices with your breath when you do it. Um, when there's when you when you get caught with something, it's, you know if that that breath in does something, and 
making a really specific choice with your vocal quality <coughs> as opposed to ah is a yeah. really different kind of moment. Mm -hmm. So making choices with your breath and with your vocal qualities um, and the shape of that voice, um, again, touches the audience in a way that they uh, that they feel and they instinctively relate to. We bypass the thinky part mm -hmm. and get yeah. back to the feels. That's a burning mountain note. Um, <laughs> some, uh, some, some fight people might, uh, I hear this note, I always hated it when I heard it. Because I studied a martial art, I do control breath when I fight. So I would be doing a sequence of choreography and one of, one of my contemporaries in a class would say, don't forget to breathe, you're not breathing. And I'm like, no, I'm controlling my breath yeah. through this series of attacks and defenses. I'm slowly, and yeah. I'm letting it out at the end as I finish this particular, to punctuate the finish yeah. of this uh, phrase of combat. Don't tell me, don't forget to breathe. And what we like to tell our students is, and the Burning Mountain method is to say, <laughs> be conscious of your breath, mm. be conscious of where you're holding it, where you're pushing, where you're putting effort, where you're taking it in, and where you're pushing out. So always be conscious of it, instead of just saying, don't forget to breathe, breathe, you're not breathing. <laughs> Sorry, that's a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, you guys are so goddamn passionate about this stuff. <laughs> it is hard not to get caught up in it um oh, and it's 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 pretty it's pretty awesome to, to watch you guys and see see how passionate you are about it i want to talk for a second about your use of patreon mm -hmm. for uh for burning mountain what's so patreon i'm sure that there are people who don't know what it is so briefly it's a crowdfunding platform that allows people to um pledge a certain amount every month to be able to keep you going as a creator. Yeah, so you think of it like a like a magazine subscription, for instance. Yeah. And so what first off, what are you guys how do you guys use Patreon? We use it in in two in two ways. Um, I have a blog that other fight people will already be aware of. Um, and it's it started actually as a way for me to prepare my students for um, a large workshop I was teaching at to give them some stuff to look at beforehand, sort of what they're going to expect when they walk into a, a nationals or a, or a two-week intensive for the mm -hmm. first time. Simple things like make sure that any bills that are coming to you are paid before you go, because you just don't want to have to think about that while you're working <laughs> on this. Um, to things like. If you have um, a favorite drink or something that's really soothing for you, make sure you have that. You're going to have stressed out days. You're going to need to really calm yourself and, and do something that is uh, home and warm mm -hmm. for you. Mm -hmm. To things like, this is, when I say structure, this is what I'm referring to. Or like when I was teaching a martial arts, the, the martial arts uh, component of the certification, it was a style guide. And here are several different styles of martial arts that you start seeing what we're talking about, um, Eastern martial arts. Yeah. Um, so... The, uh, another way you can use Patreon is to fund per thing, as it right. works. Use the technical term. Um, so one of our things is the blog posts. Okay. Um, but the other thing that we're doing is all the short films that we make. Yes. We post that as, as part of it. So those happen less frequently. These days, it's every two, three, or four months. It kind of depends. I mean, Matt and I are both in Hogtown right now. So... Where we really don't have a chance to work on other course, yeah. large projects, yeah. so the next film will be will be a little while. Um, but our so our Patreon patrons, we thank you all. Um, their pledge is per thing, which is usually the blog post, mm -hmm. which is all all sorts of support for the stage combat artist. Right. Um, not just people who are teachers and fight directors, um, but part of our focus is to support the stage combat artist. 
is someone who wants to become an advanced martial, uh, advanced um, stage combat artist, but not necessarily move on to instructing, and they want to uh, enrich their performance skills. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe there's not a workshop that they can attend, but they have a sense that there's more stuff they want to work on. Um, so short answer, blog posts, and the short films that we do. Part of our, really part of our focus um, as artists ourselves, as artists, as performers, as teachers, uh, as fight directors, is just to get the best stage combat out there that we can. Mm -hmm. So in, in any way that we can do that. So whether that's through the way we teach, through the way we direct fights, through the way we ourselves perform. And also just, that's why we make the short films, is to get content out there, is to get um, stage combat out in the internet sphere, in the internet verse. Um, a lot and, of and hopefully good stage combat as well. Yeah. Um, I, I, we have both have a real pet peeve about people posting their test fights uh, because test fights. Um, the archival video. The for archival the video fight. for a test fight uh, always always does not look anywhere near as good as it looks live. It's, it's no, of course, be, yeah. It's meant to be performed for a live audience. Yep. Usually the archival camera is not at the right angle. It hasn't yeah. been choreographed for film. Yeah. And it's two actors at the end of a, probably a burnout workshop yeah. wearing their sweatpants. Um, and it really, when you watch it, you're like, wow, that's what stage combat looks like? Yikes. And, and uh, so It could be very distracting. <laughs> and, and we want to say as well, though, that yes, the people posting that, you have done a lot of great work. And yes, you should be excited about the work you've done. Yeah. Um, but... For the for the um, for the people who don't know about stage combat, what they see, they don't understand where it's coming from. Of they don't course, understand yeah. that there's two weeks of burnout leading up to that. Yeah. They don't understand the camera's in the wrong spot. No. So yeah. what we endeavor to do is just go, okay, so here's this this other thing that you're seeing. Here's how to place that in context. Right. Um, and. Uh, this is how, and of course, the technique is slightly different when we do it on camera. Of course, it's, yeah. it's going to be, it's a different medium. Um, but our hope is to get the kind of work that we do out there in uh, a shiny package that really shows it in a really, um, in, in a light that anybody can understand, as opposed to needing the context to quite understand the skill level that you're seeing. Where can we find uh, <clears throat> both Burning Mountain and you guys online? So, uh, burningmountain.ca slash connect. Um, that's where you can find us as Burning Mountain, mm -hmm. mattrichardson.ca, and siobhanrichardson.com. And for those who need to know how to spell it, I'm sure it'll be in the comments below. It'll be, it'll be in the show notes. <laughs> it'll be in the show notes. Um, are either of you on social media at all? Oh, yes, playing? goodness, all of those as well. <laughs> Showing my age there. Um, <laughs> so um, Burning Mountain on Twitter is at BurningMTN, so Burning Mountain as a... As a um, acronym, or as a shortened the word, the thing. Apostrophe, yes. whatever the word apostrophe whatever. stands for. Yeah. Why is apostrophe such a long word? I don't know. I don't know. That's so much. It does so much. <laughs> um, uh, so that's us on Twitter, um, and we're, we of course have a Facebook fan page um, for Burning Mountain. It's Burning Mountain Summit. Um, apologies for all the inconsistencies. It apparently turns out that there's a Burning Mountain Music Festival. What? So the different media have different yeah. parts of, of Burning Mountain taking up, taken up. On Vimeo, you'll find us at vimeo.com slash theburningmountain. Um, I'm on Instagram at fighteractress. Um, that's also my Twitter handle. Yeah. Fighteractress hasn't been taken over of the course, place. No. So that one's, good. that one's easier. 
But if you get confused, if you click on something and there's this, the Burning Mountain symbol is a mountain with a with a bow and a uh, uh, and a sword. That's us. That's us. Yeah. <laughs> if you see a bunch of people standing in front of a concert stage, it's not you. Not, us. not you. <laughs> well, that's great. Thank you so much for, for coming on today. Our pleasure. Thank, Thank you. you Phil. Thanks, Bill. Take care.